Hey, hi, I'm John and Chris, and I'm so grateful to be together with you today. You know, sometimes a one-liner has the ability to change your life. That's what happened to me uh, just a short while ago. So here's the story. Uh, my wife and I attended an event down at Chick-fil-A headquarters down by the Atlanta airport. And when we found our seat, we got to the table, and I found a little pack of 10 Chick-fil-A coupons at my place setting. And I said to Ann, oh, this is awesome. I've got 10 Chick-fil-A free coupons. You've got 10. We're in for 20. And I was like, this is the bomb. I'm glad we came here. And then Dan Cathy came to the mic and uh, he said, do you see those 10 Chick-fil-A coupons everybody's got? They're not for you. I was like, dog. And he said, well, join us in our mission at Chick-fil-A and encourage somebody. So whenever you find somebody who needs encouraging, give them a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And then Dan Cathy quoted his dad. And Dan said, Dad, how do you know who needs encouraging? And Truett said, anybody who's breathing. <laughs> and so I had, this, I had this revelation at that point that people really need encouragement. And I thought, why don't we start a radio or a blog that just uses stories, just normal old people who struggle with life like me, and everybody has a story, and let's just encourage it. So that's exactly where we're going today, and you're going to actually love this. My guests are Joel and Trace Balin. They're from Atlanta or Marietta. Where do you guys live? Oh, we live in Woodstock oh, now. Woodstock, that's even worse. Yeah. Joel and Trace, welcome <laughs> to the uh, east side of town. So you two had dream jobs when we first met. You were Sea World musicians. Tell me about that. Well, we were uh, we were in uh, Orlando, Florida, and nice uh, place to be. It was it was great, great weather, and great places to play, and that's what we did. We and were mu traveling musicians, and we landed there. And so, what does a musician do at Dreamworld when Shamu is in a tub right in front of you? What what's that? What did you, what'd you do? Well, a lot of our friends were uh, at the, in the ski show, but we didn't do anything <laughs> like that. We like, were actually at SeaWorld doing uh, performances and music performances we would put together. There were a number of us that were there, and we would do uh, different nights and different times with two or three of us at a time. And then we'd all gather together during you know, Christmas, New, Year, you know, Christmas, New Year's, Easter, and do these big shows, Fourth of July shows. And we would gather with a big band and a bunch of people and do shows at SeaWorld. It doesn't even sound like work to me. It seems like cheating. It actually wasn't. It was wonderful. Well, we did have to work seven days a week one summer. Oh, for, I'm really sorry about that. So, well, Trace, for 20 minutes a day. Oh, <laughs> Trace, you're a singer. Yes. And Joel, you sing and dance and play guitar. Play what, guitar. Your your guitars. Yeah. So, did you sing during this? Event? Yeah. I yeah, sang the whole time and, and just top guitar. song, top ten songs, that sort sure. of thing. Just entertain the troops. Mm -hmm. Well, so here's the deal. Here's where the three of us connected. Uh, Trace was a recording artist, a Christian recording artist, back in the '80s, mm -hmm. and you just landed a big deal. I remember that you were I with, did. with some hoity-toity. I signed with Word. Word Records. That's when we used to have records. Yes, we could explain that. I uh, think my album was the last one that was done in vinyl. <laughs> no, literally, literally, literally. The last one that Word Records did yeah. in vinyl was Traces Records. So we moved to Atlanta. I heard about you, and I have been a pastor of a church, so I just started this church, and I wanted the big shot to come and sing at our church. 
So somehow I made contact with Trace, and I said, could you come over and do one of your big songs? And that morning, I'll never forget it, the two of you walked in, and Joel, you were wearing parachute pants. I, I, knew, I knew that would come <laughs> up. Parachute pants yeah, that, in my well, church. That, well, that's my style, you know? Well, I, I don't wear them now. I stopped a couple years ago wearing them. I'm so <laughs> grateful. Well, thus began our lifelong relationship. So even though it was a little bumpy start... Yeah, and your sound people didn't know how to turn the mics on. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> and so... Uh, I was the pastor, you were our worship, our music guy, and thus we were off and running for the next couple of decades of our life doing yep. church work together. Yeah, it was, it was an exciting time for us. So we, had, we had been on the road almost full time doing that, and we were ready to settle down a little more in, in Atlanta, and so to meet you was like, uh, it was kind of nirvana for us. Well, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have paid you so much, but <laughs> other than that, we're good. So, Joel, what I remember about our years together was you drinking goat's milk <laughs> or what what kind of milk did you drink? Uh, i drank first i started soy milk and then i read that soy milk wasn't that great so i started drinking almond milk and then now i drink oat milk and so uh, and then i eat goat cheese so you were sort of a health freak oh yeah i read every book i can on health and nutrition and and did everything I can to be healthy. Were you scared, or was there something in your uh, family heritage, or did you just... No, not at all. I thought it was just, you know, I think... It, the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I looked around and said, you know, this country doesn't look like we're all healthy. I think I should be healthy. So I, I investigated what that looked like, and I did it for years. Well, did you notice I never offered you a Chick-fil-A sandwich? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. It well, was because I care about you yeah, deeply, and I didn't want anything to happen in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I noticed uh, that you were really anxious to share, but uh, <laughs> they didn't give them up. So you've always been a, a physique guy. You've never gained weight. You've never been. You've always just been healthy. Yeah, I've always felt that I was that I was healthy and heading towards health, and and certainly I was going to avoid all the pitfalls of people that I'd see around me that had problems. Was that me or uh, were no? You no, you were that? you were always fit and active. Oh, thank you very much. So <laughs> something happened last yeah. week. Wow, last month or last year? Yeah, me. in 2018 actually. Oh, at the end of 2018, I went in for uh, just my doctor said, "Hey, we got to check something out. We're going to do a CT scan," and they came back and said, "Hey, what we were checking out is absolutely fine. No problems with that." What was the reason why we wanted to do a TC, t- CT <laughs> a CT scan? scan? I have no See idea. See how medical I am. <laughs> I have no idea. It was something at the time because when I got back, he said, when I got the results, he said, "Hey, whatever we were looking for, it's all fine. Don't worry about that." Except. And then he said, uh, we noticed that your lymph nodes are enlarged, and we're going to consider it lymphoma until we prove otherwise. So he said, you probably have cancer. And for me to hear the big C world after, like, that the big C That is a mic word, drop. Yeah, it was... Were you in the room, Trace? No, I wasn't. Wh- where did that conversation occur? Um, at, our, at my doctor's office. You and the doc. Yeah. He walked in yeah. and said, you have cancer. Yeah, he said, you have lymphoma. So he sent me to an oncologist. What, what happened in your mind the moment that he said that? Well, when, that's, it's that moment of fear. It's, okay, I'm going to probably die in six months. Did you think that? Mm, partially, yes. Partially, I thought, okay, I better be preparing. And I said, what about my grandkids? What about my kids? And what about this life? I'm not done yet. Okay, so he left this office just getting that news. Did you walk out and call Trace? Or did you... Right away. Mm-hmm. 
I said, Trace, he says he's, he's considering this lymphoma. And I said, I'm sure it's not. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm sure I don't have lymphoma. He's just saying that to be cautious, and I'm, I just resist that. Except uh, we found out later when I had another scan and some biopsies, we found out later it was follicular lymphoma. Were you in the office when that occurred, Trace? I was there, and I was also there for the biopsy. Uh, to determine exactly what it was. And what happened in your heart or um, in your mind? What was going on? I was going, okay, I'm not prepared to be a widow. And um, so I just uh, pressed in, pressed in with prayer and just walked with Joel through this whole journey. But the moment that he told you, he told him in front of you, I was I was mad at the doctor because the doctor already spoke it before we had even tested, and I said, "Well, we have to we have to really investigate what he's got." Don't uh, how speak did you that. know that you had something? Um, just uh, there were no physical signs at this point. Yeah. And so by the time I got to the oncologist, she said, "Well, usually people at this point have a lot of physical symptoms," and I said, "I have none." And she says, "Well, we're going to look at this and we'll see what we can do." Maybe you're. Soy milk started to taste like real milk or whole yeah, milk or exactly. something. I don't know. Well, I went back and said, maybe I shouldn't have drunk so, so much <laughs> of that. I should have stuck with water or something. And you don't drink alcohol or anything, None. right? No. Never. Don't smoke. Don't drink alcohol. Never have. And this doesn't run in your family? Not at all. And did they know what happened? How you... Yeah, that, I said to the doctor, I said, is there something in my nutrition? Is there something no, I can uh, do about it? And she said, no, it's probably just your genes. And I said, but there's nothing to indicate this in the genes. No one in my family has had this that I know of. Not at all. So you've got a couple of children. How, tell me about those conversations. Well, we first, we, we actually withheld that information until we could find out everything and what the process would be, what treatments were available, what the prognosis. So you didn't tell anybody. We didn't right away because we wanted to know all the facts first. So that's what we did. And the doctor said... Just the two of you waiting around for yeah, facts and we with held nobody this to for, shoulder. We held this for weeks. Was yeah. that a good or bad decision? I think it was a back. good decision. It was a good decision. Because we, we wanted to process it. In our, how do we feel about this? What do we think? What are we going to do about this? What do the doctors say? And what, Unbelievable. What kind of prayers are going on? But the doctor said, hey, this is incurable. So I think that was almost harder when I heard than when I heard first that you have lymphoma because then I was kind of arguing in my mind, maybe I don't, maybe I do. But when the doctor said, this is incurable. Um, How our, far our in were you in that journey? About a month into it. And she says, but she said, but look, this is one of the least virulent forms of cancer, so we'll be able to control it and give you a few extra years. <sighs> so we went to Dolly World. <laughs> you did really? Yeah. We did. We t we took a break and we decided, okay, we're going to have to kind of clear our heads of this shock, and so we but went up to Gatlinburg. But and when you're walking the streets in Dollywood and Gatlinburg, <laughs> you're still thinking about this. Don't tell me you just got it connected with fudge and well, almost <laughs> almost not not as much because what had happened by that time is we've gotten to that place of peace about it and said we really deep down don't believe this is the end. Both of you had that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. we both, really? Yeah, yeah, and not even talking about it, both 
separately. And no matter came, what your oncologist was saying. No matter what the oncologist said, no matter what we said, this is not the end. And we had faith for that. And we, we believed it was not the end, but so, we had no idea of the journey. Yeah. So yeah. did you ever go into depression? Did you, you didn't like lay at bed at night and just can't sleep? And Not, not at the onset. <laughs> so apparently there were some times. That, oh. Well, of course there were, because this is a long journey that we're talking yeah. about that he went through. It started in 2018, mm-hmm. so it's three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, your, when did you let your friends in? Well, we, uh, when we were um, discussing treatment, and, the, and we went in to talk to his oncologist, and she, she spelled out a plan. Once we had the plan, we told people. Did we you ever get kids, a second opinion, or were you just trusting this? Well, one no, we saw goods? we saw the results. We saw we saw the. I mean, they they sent us everything. We could open up our file and look at his, look at the uh, the pictures, of the CAT scan. And I had all throughout my body enlarged lymph nodes. Yeah, I mean, very enlarged lymph. He looked nodes. like a Christmas tree. And then I started having symptoms where I'd have bulges in different parts of my body. <laughs> And uh, I would have just bulges because the lymph nodes well, had grown so much. a lot of people have bulges yeah, well, yeah. in different parts of their <laughs> but body. Remember, but, but remember, I ate healthy. <laughs> okay, so well, that's right. <laughs> and so when I started having symptoms and I told people we were going to do this, yeah, it was amazing. I went on five months of chemo, and she said, this will take care of it for a while. You know, we're, it's going to push it back, and you're going to be fine for a while. I said, great. So I did five months of chemo, and she came back with her mouth hanging open and said, I've never seen this bad of results, ever. She said, um, usually this takes care of it, and you're going to be fine for five years or so. And she says, this did almost nothing. And so she, they started talking about a bone marrow transplant. And they said, in order right. to prepare you for a bone marrow transplant, which is the most horrific thing I've ever heard of, um, she said, we're going to do another chemo because it has to be at least under control to, to even do a bone marrow transplant. So I did another three months, and all that happened is my hair fell out. Almost literally nothing happened. And she was shocked. She was absolutely shocked. As you were as well. Yeah. We were mm-hmm. dumbfounded. Yeah. Did you go to Gatlinburg again? Or what, <laughs> no. what's, what's the remedy for no, this we, one? We went to Vegas. We said, we got <laughs> to win something here. We got to have a win here. Uh, d- well, tell me about your marriage during all this. Did it get s- strained to the point of, I, or did it grow better? No, the only time the only time that it would get strained is if uh, I I was very aggressive about his treatment. I was very aggressive about what he should do. <laughs> and you're a pretty uh, um, you speak your mind, yes. so yeah. So, so I can timid. only imagine. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she spoke it to me very loudly. <laughs> well, I care about this guy sitting across from me, so uh, it was it was vitally important to me that we have all the information, that he get the right treatments, that we get uh, to be able to process. And so sometimes he didn't process as quickly as I did. And I'm much more processed person and laid back, and Trace is more intuitive, and oh, yeah. she sees things. And, she, and I said, I need to process this. And I, and I, I, I just, I'm, let's let it play out and so see what happens. you didn't go to work. Did, were no. you working? Um, yeah, at that yes, time Yes, you I were. Did. You I just worked working. through this? Yep. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, okay. COVID. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, tell me, what, what did people tell you? What did, what did they say? Were people helpful? <laughs> oh, or my were, gosh. <laughs> ah, what's one the of, worst something? What's the worst thing? One of my said, best friends. Uh-oh. I said, hey, I've got, uh, I've got this. The, the chemo didn't work, but I'm really confident 
that this is not the end that God's going to bring me through this. And a number of people have said, hey, this is just a bump in the road. Almost, you know, mm-hmm. half a dozen people said literally those same words. This is just a bump in the road. You're going to be fine. And so I held on to that. And one of my friends says, now don't get your hopes up. He said, remember that friend of ours that believed she was going to make it through and she died? Man. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. You know, one of the worst things in the world is the uncomfortableness of trying to talk to somebody about mm-hmm. issues of which we have no power over them. Yes. And we don't know what to say, and we just kind of want to be there, and then we say stupid things that we regret, and you regret as well, and, and yeah. so I get that. Okay, so you're going through chemo. All your hair falls out. They tell you you've got a few month, mm-hmm. a few years that they're going to try to extend your life, and then COVID hits. My. And you're a prime suspect well, for I'm COVID. Well, I am the category that says at risk. You know, oh my, my doctor says, you can't go out of the house. You can't do anything. You are in complete quarantine. Now, along with this... With Trace. Huh, with Trace. Oh, yeah. Now that is now that quite... Is <laughs> you ask about the marriage things? <laughs> by, the end, by the end of it, and we'll get there, but Trace said, if you don't get out of the house, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> But she was absolutely stellar. She took care of me all this time. So you got COVID. Yeah, I got COVID. But early on? The amazing thing. No, about a year and a half into it. Back up just a little bit. Back up just a little bit. So after the two failed chemos, they said, in order to prepare you for this uh, bone marrow marrow transplant, which both of us felt that we weren't going to have to do, but we still followed through the process. They said, we're going to put you on something that's completely different, and we're going to try this to get you prepared for the bone marrow transplant. And they put us on an immunomodulating drug that shouldn't even be on the market. It's a sister drug to thalidomide, which was one of the biggest scandals back in the 50s or 60s, one of the biggest medical scandals of all time. So the drug shouldn't even have been available, and they had just okayed it for me. I was on it for three weeks and completely in remission after three weeks on this immunomodulating drug. It was a miracle. I mean, it was just remarkable. So your cancer got put in remission, but COVID just took over. stopped then, at your then door. Then COVID introduced itself. Yeah, almost back to back. And the, the, uh, the bone marrow transplant was tabled. We weren't going to do because that. I, because I was in remission, and the bone marrow transplant. So I said, this is great. I'm great. And then I caught COVID. And we're celebrating. We're going, yay, this is great. A couple of months later, boom, COVID. Do you have a house or an apartment? What we do have you, a house. You have a house. So you, you can get away from each other, yes. sort of. Yeah, we have two bedrooms in this house. We, have, we, we, we downsized to a small house. Yeah, we were I in knew a big you house, were doing that. But we so. downsized. But um, thank God we didn't downsize further because we at least had two bedrooms to go to you know, our separate corners. But now you're totally quarantined in this house. Yes. And quarantined against each other because I was in one bedroom, <laughs> he was in the other, no. uh, struggling to get well. Did you text, or how did you, did you yeah, yell at each other? Well, did you call? Did you... We were too busy being sick to talk so you to were one sick another. Too. Oh, She oh, had it, too, yeah. but she got over it within a month, In five three weeks. weeks. So, yeah, three to five weeks. She got over it, but I didn't. But he didn't. Now, did you think you were dying? Yes. Yes. Really? I think that I, I, we thought at that point this might be it. I was in intensive care one of the days. In the 22 days total, I was in the hospital. Uh, one of the days I was in intensive care, and they weren't sure if I was going to make it. Now, I almost always kept that thing that I had said, that I didn't think this was to death. But at the same time, I was pretty bad off. What does that mean? Well, um, I think that uh, the idea that it says, you know, this is the thing that kills people. 
I could die from this, but I had that sense deep down in that I was going to make it through. So you're alone in the hospital. You can't even get in there. Correct. No, but I do a lot of phone calls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I do a lot of harassing. We should probably still be praying for those nurses that you talk to and those doctors. I won't ever tell them I'm your friend. <laughs> I can only imagine what that would be like. I had a doctor tell me, you're not being fair. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, she was challenging him on some oh. of my treatments. And he says, you're not being fair. She goes, well, this didn't seem to work. This doesn't work. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you do this? So you're laying in a hospital bed dying alone. Yes. Mm -hmm. And delirious. I mean, I would oh. try to call Trace and I'd say, this phone doesn't work anymore because I couldn't figure out how it worked because my brain was so swollen that I wasn't in my right mind. Also, he was down to 138 pounds. Which even for a healthy person like me was way, way low. What do you weigh now? Um, close to 175, 180. Wow. Did your friends know about this? Yes. They, I don't but think they no, understood. They, they didn't the understand gravity the gravity of it, but they knew that he had COVID, and they knew he was in the hospital, and people were praying and, and uh, trying to help us. Um, uh, you know, even when we, those three or four weeks that he was at home, uh, people were trying to, to, to serve us and bring, bring food, bring any kind of comfort they could. And, of course, they couldn't come into the house. But, oh, my uh, goodness. So when did the switchback? What, what in the world happened? You sit here today as two perfectly healthy human beings. Absolutely. And how long ago did this happen? Um, May 1st. Four months ago, you were knocking on the four door. Four months and one day ago. You were knocking on the door, door. thinking I'm dying. And today you sit here incredibly healthy. Are you still drinking that funny milk? Uh, yes, yeah, I, I drink oat milk now. Did you ever hear about iced tea? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm from Ohio. I'm originally from Ohio. So, so what? Where would get me up to speed? When did this big thing suddenly or gradually? How did it happen? Almost overnight. Um, I had felt in April. I was just feeling like I had maybe a little more energy and felt oh, maybe I was heading towards healing, but I still had um, chronic uh, uh, anemia. I still had AFib. Severe. Severe anemia. I still had AFib. I still couldn't get up and walk to the kitchen from my bedroom without my heart beating 30 minutes, 30 beats a minute faster. So I was still in that thing, but I had thought I'd heard on May 1st, you should go back and start to go back to work. Go, what? Go back to work. And I hadn't been to work in eight and a half months. And so I said, okay. And so I started making plans. As I made plans, Did I you said, get it okay over here? Yeah. By the Trey said, okay, oh, yeah. if you feel like it. And yeah. my doctor miraculously said, I said, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to go back to work. And she said, you're in absolute quarantine up until that point. And when I said that to her, she goes, well, you know, if you've survived this long, I think you can figure out how to go back to work and survive. And we were shocked that she said that. So I said, But she okay, said, be careful. Be careful. That was a con. So I had literally had a T-shirt made that says, please use a 10-foot pole. And I just wanted to keep people away from me. And did that work? Or yeah. Everybody wanted to hug you. No, well, 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 it worked except for, you know. Well, you're a church guy. Yeah, so exactly. you're going to be people at church hug. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I went in. And I hid in the sound booth because we, our, one of our sound guys was out. I hid in the sound booth and just did some sound that day. And um, I went to the doctor within a week, and they said, "You are all your tests are normal. Your the uh, the pneumonia you had, the particulates aren't big enough to even categorize." And they said, "Your uh, your lymphoma is still after no treatment 
for nine months, your lymphoma is still in complete remission. He was supposed to go on the maintenance with this drug oh, that they had goodness. discovered, and, and he couldn't said, do it because he was he had COVID. And they said without any treatments, without anything, you're you're in complete remission from that. There's no indications at all that you're sick. All your tests are normal. And the crazy thing is, you look normal. <laughs> yeah, well, you look like the I don't act Joel normal. That, well, you never have. <laughs> no, let's be true. honest about that. But you look like the Joel that we worked together mm-hmm. for. A, couple of decades. It's a miracle. I'll show you picture, pictures later on. Oh, yeah, uh, before and afters yeah. and all this. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Trace, you are, are you were a caregiver. I mean, you, that was sort of your job. Yes, it right was. Here, to wait on him, throws oh. little food under the... And I'm a guy, so I was very demanding. It's like, <laughs> honey, help me. <laughs> or is he a good patient or a bad No, one? he's terrible. Is he really? He doesn't do what you tell him to do. You know, you just have to really yell at him. That's the way it is. That's yeah. what, that, that, that's guys, you but, know. That's what they for, do. That's true. <laughs> I'm not going to comment there. But, uh, but as a caregiver, um, what's the hardest thing about that for you? The hardest thing about the caregiving for me was that while I, I recuperated from uh, COVID, I didn't have any strength. I walked uh, to the bedroom that he was in, and I took one look at him because we hadn't really connected. It was like two ships passing in the night. Um, and he wasn't keeping an eye on me. I wasn't keeping an eye on him. We were just struggling. Yeah. So then I walk into his room when I realize that I'm finally over it, but still weak. And I look at him and I go, red flags all over the place. I realized that uh, he needed help and that I didn't have the strength initially to do anything. So that's, what do you mean red flags? What What is he doing? He oh, my gosh. He could... I mean, he didn't. He he couldn't. Away, he's he couldn't no tell color. if it was midnight or if it was oh, noon. My goodness. You know that kind of Still stuff. Still dis- very disoriented. Very disoriented. In conversations, I would I would uh, have these arguments with him and say, No, 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 no. You're you're not thinking straight or clear. And I tried to feed him. Couldn't do it. Realized I was going to need help. So um, anyway, to make a long story short, what. What I did was I said, it's time for you to go into the hospital. You, we've got to do this because he was, he was so bad. So he went into the hospital, and then he would come home, and then I took lessons on how to do infusions of, of different um, Where do you get that drugs. sort of thing? Well, there was a there was, thank the Lord for people who came in and, and gave me oh, instructions. Oh, like... No, no, we had in-home, oh, wow. in-home caregivers yeah. that came in, instructed me how what to do. Oh my goodness! And um, so, what would you tell somebody who right now they're with some family member, a husband or a wife or a child, and they're the caregiver and they're kind of strung out, worn out, over it, done? What do you tell them? Well, the first thing I would do is say, look for people who can help you, be able to connect, um, in in um, your. Um, your community, it's vital that you be able to communicate what you're going through and to get help. You can't do the, this alone. You can't do it alone. You really do need people to, uh, with you to walk shoulder to shoulder with you. This is unbelievable. I feel worn out just hearing your story. <laughs> and you survived. I survived. Survived. And I'm as normal as I've ever been. Well, which isn't that normal, but I'm, I'm back. And uh, it's just a miracle. And I think the one thing that Trace said is the one thing that I, uh, the most important thing I got from this is that I kept in touch, as out of it as I was, I kept in touch with people and said, would you pray for me? Would you stand with me? Would you believe with me that I'm going to be healed? And I had dozens and dozens and dozens of people 
that stood with me through this whole time, and I, that's one of the reasons I made it through. That's got to be one of the most humbling things in the world to be the recipient. It's easier to be on the, oh, yeah, I'm going to help. Much I'm going to bring a chicken salad, or I'm going to pray, mm-hmm. or I'm going to do this stuff. The other side, when you're it's helpless, much it's much harder to receive. Much harder. Well, and the extraordinary thing is, this was not just a, a couple of months. This was a long haul. He had long haul COVID. Mm. And so people had to be long haul supporters, which they were. It was just extraordinary. People didn't give up. They just kept at it. They kept being there for us. You guys may be in a league all your own. Being in a church and then being one of the pastors on it, you're mm-hmm. probably like, uh, we're coming to your side, pastor. Or <laughs> yeah. We're gonna. Yeah, people rallied. But I, what was so exciting about it was I, when I tell people about this, then they start rallying around each other. Mm. And I understand, well, they're going to rally around the pastor. I'm one of the more visible people, and I know all everyone in the church. But they have started even more rallying around each other. And I see that across the board. So what do you tell a person who doesn't have that kind of community? Wow. That's a tough one. Um, you know, the first well, thing... a lot of people are online trying to make friends, and they're in another country of the world yeah. or mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. place. Well, the, the beauty of our environment now is the community doesn't have to be just people that meet physically. There are online communities like you're doing. We, during this whole time, um, I was out of it for a, a few too many months, but then when I started getting back, I got on Zoom calls and then started leading the Zoom calls and started mm. leading Zoom prayer and leading these things. I would say find people to connect with, even online to start with, and then as you're better, make sure that you physically connect with people. That's exciting. You guys have uh, been an encouragement to me today. <laughs> I'm sitting here kind of washed out with just hearing the the pressure of this thing. Thank you for taking time to come over here and share the story. And I think uh, people are, have been encouraged. Uh, how would we get to you? How If I would want to make contact with Joel and Trace Balin, how would I go about doing that? Well, the easiest way is through email at this point. Um, we can do joelbalin at gmail.com. It's my first and last name. It's pretty easy. Uh, B-A-L-I-N is my last name, and that's easier. If, if, <laughs> if, uh, at Joel Balin at Gmail. So if they want to do that and, and start some things on email, that'd be great. I'd love to get back with yeah, people. Yeah, I'm sure there are people that are doing exactly what you're doing that would say, hey, i got to talk to this guy. Yeah. Whew. Take a deep breath, John and Chris. <laughs> this has been good. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you here for having us. Thank you for those of you who have listened through this. You can sit back and take a deep breath right now. Um, if you want to hear past shows of uh, stuff we're doing over here at End Results, that is with a Z. Any place you get your podcast, you can listen to this and and hear the other shows that were going on. This is called That's Exciting, and I would certainly say you two, that's exciting. This is with Johnny Christ as your host. Thank you for being a part of today. God bless you. Bye-bye.